poppin' the Christian bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by independent financial planner Adam Peak, Falcon and Winter Soldier on Disney Plus, Tom Cruise has a deep fake, there's a UFO filmed over Salt Lake City, should social media censorship be banned by states, holographic people machine, Jack Dorsey offers a tweet of digital art for $2.5 million, and the Air Force just awarded a contract to develop a hypersonic Air Force One for the president. And finally, the problem when everybody gets their wish granted. All this and more coming up on today's episode of the Cultured Christian Podcast. Well, good evening, friends, or good afternoon, good morning, whatever time of day you find yourself listening to this here, episode 31 of the podcast. Thanks, as always, for tuning in today. And yeah, we are beginning year two. If you didn't get it, uh, listen to our last episode. It was our one-year anniversary episode, and we are now launching in with this episode to year two, and we couldn't be more excited to be here with you. And so let's dive right in and begin by talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. Now, if you are lucky enough to be a Disney Plus subscriber or you're like me and you're uh, mooching off of a friend's uh, subscription and you're watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know that there's two episodes out and it is awesome. I definitely love it a lot more than... Uh, WandaVision. I shared with you my dislike with WandaVision. Um, But what I just love about this is it instantly feels like a Marvel movie. It just right from the get-go feels like you're right in the midst of a movie that's going to be um, obviously made into a lot of smaller episodes. And so I've enjoyed it. I think it's a great start. The storyline is fun. The acting is great. Uh, Special effects is probably not at the level of a Marvel movie, um, but still has some great action scenes as well. So if you haven't got a chance to check out Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+, I also love that it connects with the actual uh, Marvel. I was going to say Star Wars. Wouldn't that be cool if it connected to the Star Wars universe? But it connects, obviously, to the greater story and what's going on in the Marvel universe as well you know, WandaVision did that as well. But I just, that's what makes it fun is kind of seeing those connections from the movies. And it's actually causing me to want to see uh, some Marvel movies again. It's time to go back and start going through the Marvel movies uh, again. So if you haven't checked it out, do check that out over on Disney+. Disney Plus. How many of you have seen the Tom Cruise uh, deepfake over on TikTok? It was made popular on TikTok, but I think I saw it in some other places like Instagram and Facebook as a lot of those viral things go. But basically, it's one of these things where it looks like Tom Cruise and he's doing a magic trick where he's, you know, got a coin in his hand and he's, you know, talking to you as if it's him, but it's literally not him. It sounds like him. It looks like him. It's one of these things called uh, deep fakes, which is becoming increasingly a, a thing that we're seeing across social media where video can be created of a celebrity or someone, a politician, somebody you recognize, but it actually isn't them. 
And so it's uh, kind of scary. It gets a little into the 1984 thing. Like, how do we know what's real? It used to be that video was kind of the thing. If you ever were in a court case and, oh, yeah, we have a video, sir, of you committing the crime. You know, it's like video is the, the hardest thing to deny. Like, if you're caught on video doing something, you're guilty kind of thing. And so what if we live in a world where we can't even trust video, where there's something released on the Internet or on TV and the person who's in the video claims that they didn't say what they said? Maybe it was something racist or maybe it was something, you know, that just creates a big storm of controversy and yet it was completely faked. It was something used as propaganda to get one side against the other. Um, that's kind of a scary world when you really start to think about if we could not discern uh, between this being a real person talking to us or something that a computer created. And so thankfully, this article on The Verge, they did an uh, interview with the guy, Chris is his name, who um, was the one who created this deep fake of Tom Cruise. And he's quoted as saying, we shouldn't really worry. The technology isn't there yet. Uh, and he's quoted in the article as saying, you can't just do that, meaning create a, a deep fake by pressing a button. That's important. That's a message I want to tell people. Each clip took weeks of work, he says, using the open source deep face lab algorithm, as well as an established uh, video editing tool. By combining traditional CGI and VFX with deep fakes, it makes it better. I make sure you don't see any of the glitches. So he kind of goes on to the article. They show some side-by-side -side shots of him and then the, sh the you know, deep fake and kind of how it evolved. So it was a ton of work, but the point still remains, I think, that at the end of the day, these videos can go out there and get legs, meaning they can be spread around like a virus. And people think it's the person. People think, oh, this is Tom Cruise and he's saying these weird things when, in fact, he didn't say any of it at all nothing full stop so that's an interesting world that we are beginning to uh, move into how many of you listeners out there believe in ufos to me this is one of those like super simple questions because all of you should believe in ufos i mean by very definition a UFO is an unidentified flying object. And is there ever a time where you look up into the sky and you cannot identify what that flying object is? If the answer is yes, then you believe in UFOs. Okay, so obviously I'm a little tongue in cheek here, but yes, there's definitely unidentified things flying in our skies and all the time they're misidentified no one knows what they are that sort of thing pilots see them people see them from the ground and so recently there was one filmed over salt lake city in utah a uh, side note a place that i'm really eager to visit i've flown in and out of salt lake city numerous times and Every time I do, I look out the window and say, man, I want to visit this place. It looks incredible. So hopefully I'll be able to do that here in the not so distant future. But side note, there was a recent film that the news in that town played uh, footage of this flying object over uh, the sky. The article says you will notice a clear line of moving lights moving over the area and off towards the mountains that surround the greater Salt Lake area. Uh, area. 
So um, clearly this is a thing, or maybe not clearly to you, but in that part, you know, Nevada, Utah, that kind of area, there's been a lot of UFO sightings, and part of this is true. Like I'm saying, unidentified flying objects exist. And there's also some bases out there, some military bases that have been, at least in lore or myth, been known to be testing all sorts of rockets and different kind of um, airplanes and things that are top secret. And so we as a public, the public are not going to know about these things and they're often testing them at night, that sort of thing. So it's kind of more common than maybe where I grew up in Michigan to see these things out in the desert, out where there's not as many human beings, where they're testing these things. And so uh, fortunately, this one particular article, uh, they ended up finding out what was happening. And what was happening was the Starlink satellites, which I've talked about here on the podcast before. Um, SpaceX, Elon Musk, they're sending up all these satellites to literally put internet satellite internet around the world in places that don't have internet access or have crappy internet. And so these things are in low Earth orbit, and depending on the angle of the sun and the Earth and, you know, where you're looking, you can actually see these in the sky with the naked eye sometimes. And so that's apparently what this was. It's also interesting to note that there are currently uh, thousands of them in the sky. There is a thousand of these in the sky, and thousands more are on their way or in the plans. So there's a lot of question as to how crowded low Earth orbit, how crowded space is going to be. And astronomers, astrologists are bummed out because now with telescopes and things, there's going to be a lot more potential for this uh, objects in the way of looking out into the universe. So I don't know, be interesting to look up into the sky and see something moving. Maybe it's one of these Starlink satellites. Maybe it's not an alien spaceship or maybe it's the Mandalorian. I don't know. Finally, in our culture section, we have one of these stories that kind of spans culture and technology. So that's kind of where I have it at the end here. But basically, the title of the article is Governor Greg Abbott announces effort to ban social media censorship in Texas. Now, this gets a little bit political and we try not to be a political podcast, but sometimes these stories go in that direction. And ultimately, I have to make make a a decision as to whether or not to share about it or talk about it. And so I think this is interesting for a number of reasons. Number one, on its face, I think our country is moving into a season of states uh, taking initiatives and literally fighting uh, the federal government. And I, in my view of American history, I think that that was what the, founder, the founders of this country intended. I think that there was supposed to be more of a state-led United States, meaning the states had individual power over their domain, their area. Almost like when you think of Europe with the small countries that are over there, the United States has states that are basically the size of countries in Europe, which have their own economies, their own currency, their own history, um, that sort of thing. And I think that, and back as I understand the founding of this country, there was more rights given to the states. More things were decided at the state level, 
And over the last, you know, 50 years, probably 60 years or so, uh, America has become more federal, more focused on federal government control over the states. And so I think, again, you, I'm open to being challenged or disagreed with, but I think that is uh, something I admire. I think that's part of what makes America great, pun intended there, uh, is that we can have a bunch of different states and people living in different parts of the country believing in different things and upholding different values. And I always use the analogy from Michigan to Oregon. Uh, I live in Oregon now. I grew up in Michigan. Uh, those are two vastly different states. Their product, if you will, what they sell, what they make money on, their economies are vastly different. And so the laws in Michigan uh, largely favored corporations and the auto industry and that sort of thing. Um, again, not to say that was all perfect or without challenge. Of course, there's areas where that was, you know, not good. And then you head to Oregon and it's like, you know, we've got Intel, we've got Nike, but we also are a very timber, very lumber heavy state. And there's a lot of environmental laws out here. There's a lot more things related to protecting the environment than, say, the state of Michigan. And so you see that. You see that with the roads. You see that with nature, that sort of thing. So having lived in two states, um, I can appreciate the value of one state disagreeing and saying, well, this is where our money is going to go. Our tax base is going to go here. This is what we value in this state, and this is what we value in another state. So I think there's definitely a place for it, arguably more so than in the past, again, 50 years, for states to make their own choices, right? To not be countries, we still need a military and we still need federal laws. I'm not advocating for that. But I think that this area of social media and kind of getting back to the article um, is a very interesting um, discussion about how in a specific state, a governor is going to stand up where if the federal government isn't protecting the citizens of that state uh, from being censored, specifically conservatives, then the governor is going to try to stand up now probably these this senate bill and things probably not going to go anywhere to be honest it's probably just going to be a little bit of uh, fanfare and show like a lot of politics uh, are a lot of politicians are but i still think it's a important discussion that is bipartisan which is how much big tech facebook um, instagram twitter youtube all these companies have put opened up this space where it's supposed to be neutral and unbiased and everybody is a, allowed to show up and be a part of it. And now over the years with all these different rules and anti-discrimination and all these things get lobbed into a massive uh, list, if you will, of rules that can easily be held against uh, people and held against a group of people, and that's what we're seeing happen. And so it involved elections. It involved, you know, that's obviously the latest thing is how it affected the election in 2016 and 2020. Um, so I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. Again, I don't want to get super political and turn this red versus blue. Uh, I'm more speaking about the fact that this is tech companies and that there is a state governor who's pushing back and saying, you know what, if our federal government isn't going to do anything or our federal government is run by this party, we want to make sure that the other party, the other people um, are protected. 
and I am a big fan of free speech. I do think that tech companies have evolved to the point where they are not only stopping discrimination and hate speech, but they're also uh, at times limiting the speech of conservatives. The views that they disagree with are being pushed down. Politicians and people are being pushed down uh, in the algorithm so that literally their voice is not being heard. That to me is fairly easily provable. If you Google it and look into it, you can find these situations. This isn't conspiracy theory. I'm not talking about Snopes.com or some you know random QAnon sort of thing. I'm talking about mainstream conservatives conservatives uh, have been pushed aside and labeled and put in these categories. So again, probably more, more talk than I usually do on the political realm, but I think that that's an important discussion, whatever side of the aisle we're on. And I hope we all can agree that technology companies, uh, the Constitution should supersede technology companies when it comes to free speech. They shouldn't get uh, a pass and just set aside because they're a megacorp. So, anywho's, that is the end of our culture section. Let's move on to some tech news. First up in tech, we are going to talk about an Instagram video. This is kind of a new thing, but someone shared with me this amazing Instagram video that I'm watching and still wondering if it's entirely true. Um, basically, the title of the video is Holographic Teleportation Explained. And this guy named, what's his name here, David Nassbaum, um, basically does this little press thing, like in some hotel lobby, it kind of looks like, or a hotel conference room. And basically, he goes and stands in front of a bunch of video cameras with a white background, and there is a like stall looking like thing you're gonna have to click the link this is one that visually you just have to see it to understand what I'm saying but basically he walks over and once he's in front of the camera a holographic full-length version of him appears in this portal like stall right next to him and it instantly is it's totally in sync at least in the video with all of his movements he's talking and it's moving and so this is one of those like futuristic things that you've seen in sci-fi movies. It's totally the future because the idea here is that someone could be anywhere in the world speaking to a camera and then be on a hundred stages at the same time in a holograph, you know, so a CEO of a company, a politician, a, a celebrity, a musician could be playing a concert in one town or one city, one arena and through these portals, they could stream this holograph image to all these different locations. So it's, it's so incredible for a number of reasons, but the idea is in the age of COVID, right? There's also this implicit like, now this is safer because this guy could be in a room with no one and his image could be sent out literally around the world and get out his message or his... Um, whatever his thing is, you know, whether he's an artist, he could be playing music, that sort of thing. And so it's super incredible to watch this video because it looks exactly like you think it would. Um, that's always the skeptic in me is I'm like, okay, I need to do a little digging here, see if this is for real. But if this is real and it looks pretty legit, um, 
that's awesome. Like that technology is getting to this point where 360 degrees around this guy can be filmed and then holographic image, you can have a full body image of a person in a room. So definitely click out the click on the link, the first one uh, there that says Instagram and you can see for yourself. And I'd love to hear in the comments, do you think this is real or are you thinking this is just some sort of like act that they're not really doing this, but just trying to get likes on the uh, Instagram um, video. How many of you have heard of this thing called NFTs or non-fungible token? This is kind of a new thing that is being invested in. It's this whole idea of digital ownership. You know, back in the day when you owned a record or a tape or a CD, you owned a physical thing that when you purchased it, it was yours, you owned it, and you physically could do with it what you want, right? Aside from copyright issues, right? You weren't supposed to copy those CDs, even though many of us did, or DVDs uh, in the 90s. But basically the idea is now that everything's digital, whether it's eBooks or song streaming or videos or tweets or you know certain things that are of a digital form, um, there are now these companies that are coming online that are basically making something unique that you have some digital ownership of something and there's, you know, bidding and things going on. I'm kind of new to it. I think it's relatively new for everyone, but I don't fully understand it. But basically, as I heard in another podcast, the idea is bragging rights. Like you can own something. You can be the digital owner of something. It's not, again, a physical item, something you could touch and interact with in the real world per se. But now that so much of the world is online and digital, you uh, maybe could see value in owning something, being the owner of something. And so one example is Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO of Twitter, um, send, sent out recently a tweet as digital art, and the highest bid is now $2.5 million. It may even be higher than that. This is what it was back when the article was written. And so the idea is, again, you can be the guy who owns this special tweet from Dra Jack Dorsey or at Jack on Twitter. So that's something for me that has zero value, much less $2.5 million. But I guess if you start thinking about it in your hobbies, you know, like if you're really into collecting, you're really into baseball. Um, you could own some NFT connected to baseball. You could own something in the art realm. You could own something in the music realm, that sort of thing. That These things that are digital, you can have ownership with them or at least say that you do. I mean, that's the thing that I still don't fully understand. Like, is somebody giving you a certificate that you can put up on your your Facebook, your Instagram and be like, I'm the owner, guys, of Jack Dorsey's tweet. Like, cool. Um, you know, but I guess the idea is then you could sell it and the value of this thing could go up or down based on the person's notoriety or celebrity as people kind of morph and change and become bigger you know like someone like elon musk 10 years ago versus elon musk today um, any sort of ownership of him or his stuff 10 years ago the value has only gone up because he's become a much more much more known person a much more famous that sort of thing so i guess that's where there's uh, potential investment value here so I don't know what you guys think about NFTs. I'm still kind of learning about it, to be honest. But uh, yeah, at very least, it's interesting the way these things are going.
All right, Apple fanboys, this next story is for you. iOS 14.5 is due to release any day. And one of the features we talked about in a couple podcast episodes ago was Apple has been rumored in the betas to allow you to select your music service when you're using an Apple device. So Apple started out 2007, incredibly closed system, right? That was how they kept a lot of the viruses out. They made it very easy for users to learn the phone. You could only use Apple Music. You could only use Apple Messages. You could only use, you know, whatever, email. Everything had its default app is Apple, Apple, Apple. You could not change any of those things. Well, over the years, Apple is becoming more and more open, more and more uh, open to the idea even of allowing you to use different apps because there's apps that are just better than Apple Mail. There's apps that are better than, you know, the music app. And so this one, um, 14.5, I said in a previous episode, they were going to let you change the default music service for uh, your phone. So if you're like me and most of uh, a lot more people use Spotify than you use Apple Music, you can default to that uh, music service, which is an, is awesome, right? Everybody was cheering that 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 is a Spotify user. That's really really cool. But Apple just recently clarified with TechCrunch that the feature uh, isn't really fully a defaulting to Spotify when you set uh, Spotify, it only relates to Siri. So once you use Siri and you tell her to launch a song or play Tom Petty or, you know, whatever music you're listening to, you ask Siri to play it. The first time you do that, she will ask you what service to use and then basically become smart. You're teaching her to always use Spotify. So it only relates to Spotify uh, or only relates to using Siri. Um, but I still think that's awesome because I don't use Siri for hardly anything. She's a terrible voice assistant, in my opinion, after using Alexa and using um, Google. It's just the re the understanding of my voice, the things that uh, she's able to do just exceeds Siri in so many ways, which is so terrible based on how much money um, Apple has and how much they could be improving that. I just don't understand why Siri isn't there. But this is one step, one thing that could uh, allow me to want to use it to just ask my phone to start playing a song. And instead of pulling up Apple Music, uh, it will actually pull up Spotify and play the uh, streaming service that I use um, on my phone. So I don't know. I thought I would just clarify, as Apple has clarified, what that new feature coming up any day now in 14.5. It sounds like there's going to be a lot in 14.5, so I'm looking forward to that um, coming up here soon, especially for those of us Apple Watch users. little sidebar here, but uh, this extended age of COVID we live in with the masks and trying to use Face ID in your phone is terrible because you're basically just using your your pin code every time because it can't recognize your face with a mask on. And so in 14.5, one of the features coming out is if you have an Apple Watch, you'll be able to uh, bypass that and actually not have to enter in your code or do the face ID. It will apparently use some little algorithm to know, oh, Kurt's wearing a mask. He's also um, wearing a Apple Watch. So we know it's him and we're going to let him into his device. So Anyways, that sounds like another cool feature I'm looking forward to when 14.5 drops, hopefully in the next week.
As we finish up the tech section this week, we want to talk about Air Force One, the world's most famous aircraft, Air Force One. It pilots the President of the United States literally around the world. This uh, 747, modified 747 by Boeing, has been... Um, talked about a lot recently because kind of came back around in the Trump years because of the new design. They have been talking for years now. I think before Trump came into office, it was kind of a conversation about, you know, updating the new, uh, updating the, the airplanes and as well updating the, the look of the airplane, maybe some new design, some new colors, because this goes back to JFK, the whole blue and white uh, the type of font, all that stuff goes back to, I believe, the 60s. So there's been a conversation about updating that look. Um, but today's article that I wanted to share, it kind of, uh, I didn't think it was real until I read it, but basically the Air Force um, awarded a contract to develop a hypersonic Air Force One. So there is a company working right now on developing a special Air Force One. I assume this wouldn't be the only one, but it would be one of the vehicles the President of the United States could use and basically get around the world uh, much, much quicker. And so uh, reading from the article here, the uh, their success, they successfully tested a prototype of an engine capable of propelling an airplane to Mach 5 or five times the speed of sound, about 3,300 miles per hour. Let me say that again, 3,300 miles per hour. If I remember right, the average uh, plane goes about five to 600 miles per hour. That, again, I could be off there. Correct me in the comments, but that's what I remember. So this Mach 5 would be a huge jump in time and allow, again, the president to just zip around uh, the world and so they plan to build a demonstrator, what's called a demonstrator vehicle over the next five years with commercial aircraft and vision in about a decade. Um, so we're still at the very front end of this. We'd be looking at 2030, 2031 uh, before this could possibly be a thing. But I don't know about you, but I thought it was pretty uh, stinking cool. It kind of remind me, reminded me of the Concorde. Remember the Concorde back in the day and how that was the thing and how quickly you could get from New York City to London and just crossing the Atlantic was just super fast because of the Concorde and how fast that plane um, flew. But unfortunately, through some crashes and some things that um, didn't really take off, pun intended. And so... Um, Anyways, I don't know. I always think these sort of stories, I'm a big aviation guy, and I think, again, Air Force One, it'd be pretty stinking cool. It seems like, again, a sci-fi movie. I say that a lot on the podcast, but it seems like a sci-fi movie to think about the president being in a jet that goes Mach 5 and just skates around the world in just a matter of minutes and hours versus a 20-hour or 30-hour flight. That's pretty stinking cool, and I hope I live to see the day when that sort of stuff's happening. That's That would be really, really cool. As featured on episode 22, our podcast sponsor is Adam Peak, my friend and independent financial planner. Are you concerned that you aren't doing enough for retirement? Have you always wondered if you're missing out on the retirement plan offered through work? Reach out to Adam to help find the answers to these questions. You can reach Adam through multiple channels by going to adampeak.com. That's adampeak with an A.com. 
Securities offered through Sigma Financial Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. Adam Peak, 300 Parkland Plaza, Ann Arbor, Michigan 48116, phone number 810-522-8169 or acpeak at sigmarep.com. In our faith section this week, we are going to start by talking about Wonder Woman 1984. Now, have you guys seen this movie? It's basically one of these pandemic movies, you know, one of these sad movies that were scheduled to come out in 2020. And because of shutdowns, lockdowns, all the COVID stuff uh, got delayed multiple times. And then finally was like the one thing in the movie theaters. Once you could go to the theaters, uh, you could go watch this film. And it was actually fun and great, you know, high level of entertainment. And so I remember going and enjoying the film again, just majorly getting out and getting back to the theater was was really cool. In fact, I don't think I've seen a movie since then because there's just a big uh, hole. There's a lack of movies coming out because of COVID. But that's another another conversation. And so for those of you who haven't watched Wonder Woman, I'm not going to spoil anything really. Um, but when I watched it, I kind of just jotted down a note about uh, something that I wanted to talk about. And the movie centers around a few women um, and an object called the Dreamstone. And basically this uh, device, similar to a lot of stories, a lot of movies, a lot of fables, when you possess this device, you get your um, wish granted. And so it's uh, something that everybody desires because you can just wish for something and get what you wish. And so it's uh, a classic tale in the sense that, again, whether it's Greek mythology, whether it's fables, other movies, there is a lot of ways that this same story has been told. And basically at the beginning of the movie, it's seen as a very um, good thing. And even the, the main character, Wonder Woman, uh, wishes for her late husband or late boyfriend, I forget if they were married, uh, come back to life. So there's, again, this positivity and like, when you make a wish, good things happen and you can bring people back to life and, you know, do good things and do kind things, that sort of thing. But as the movie rolls on and as the tired old tale goes, um, when you give people everything that they wish for, it creates a world of chaos. It creates a society. It creates even a situation in your own life where uh, things bad start happening because, there, there cannot be a world in which everybody gets what they want or gets their wish granted because by very nature, your will and my will, my wish versus your wish can conflict, right? So if I want something and you don't want that, how, how does that world exist? How can we both want something that conflicts? Uh, and we both get that wish, right? So we live in a world where there's free will. I can choose what I do after recording this podcast. I can go for a drive. I can sit in my house. I can, and we have a great deal of freedom as human beings, but that freedom is limited. There are limitations based on laws, based on other people's free will, uh, based on, I would argue, God and his sovereignty. There is limitations, and so there are other forces in the world, and 
I think in our day and age, as we become more and more secular and everybody's kind of, you know, well, that's not, that's my truth, you know, you be you, the be the best you, all this kind of self-help, positive thinking uh, gets, starts going down this direction. And I noticed recently it came up in a conversation with um, someone at my church where I work at. And it's something, again, that I've not, um, it's not the first time that I've heard this, but basically the idea from this person was taken from Psalm 37, verse 4, which says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So have you heard that verse before? He will give you the desires of your heart. And the way that this person used this verse was literally saying, you make a list. You decide for yourself what you want in life. And God, out of his love for you, out of his relationship with you, and you delighting in him, as the verse says, God will give you those things. Right? So on its surface, you can read this verse and say, oh, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So here's an example, right? So it's been most of my life that, you know, two desires of my heart, uh, one would be to own a home. I've yet to own my own home. I've lived in apartments uh, my whole life since I uh, moved out in my early 20s. Um, just struggled to make that financial decision. I think I, I have had it at times, the, the money and the wherewithal to do it, but I've just, oh, I don't want to be house broke. I don't want to go that route. And then I've also really wanted to have a dog. I'm a big dog guy and just, again, living in apartments, the kind of lifestyle that I live, just haven't been able to, to do that. So those are two desires of my heart, basically. And God knows that. I've prayed for that. I've talked with God about it, all that kind of stuff. And so you can read this verse and you can, again, on the surface, just uh, take it as saying, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you what you want. He'll grant your wish to say it another way, right? Like it, it's interesting when we change the semantics to wish language and in the context of the Wonder Woman story, along with all the other countless tales of everybody getting their wish granted, um, it starts to fall apart, right? But we have to be careful as Christians that sometimes we use the certain semantics or we use some sort of language and and we we try to backfill this with this idea of God. Well, God loves us. Of course, he would give us the desires of our hearts, right? God knows you you want that new outfit or that girlfriend or that, you know, new job or I don't know, that opportunity. And it just starts bumping up against something we've talked about on the podcast before is prosperity gospel. The idea that God only wants good for us, health, wealth, you know, all these things. And if we don't have those, it's because of we're not delighting in the Lord. We don't have uh, faith that he doesn't grant us those wishes. And so I'm pushing back, if you can't tell, on this concept today, um, because I think when we read this verse, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. How I read that verse is not that we take delight in the Lord so that we get what we want, so that we get our wishes granted. I think what the verse is saying is if we take delight in the Lord, he will give us his desires. Like he will provide, he will put inside of us his desires in our hearts. So the more that I spend time with God, the more that I get to know God, he is going to give me his desires. And you say, no, Kurt, it says the desires of your heart. Right. Right. He gives me 
the desires. They become my desires. His desires become my desires. Are you guys tracking with me? That's how I think the scripture is supposed to be interpreted. I think it's a, a bastard transi- uh, translation or interpretation is better said of this verse to make it the wish granted thing. Because as we've already talked about, there is no world that exists where everybody gets their wish granted. We just we can't live in this world because the conflict between wishes granted would create a world of chaos. It would just be chaos. And that's what's beautifully illustrated in Wonder Woman 1984 is primarily two women's uh, wishes are conflicting, but then the whole world and just, again, not spoiling, there's a whole world of conflict and people's wishes uh, come into play. And so I think, again, the application, kind of what I'm challenging us to think about is the humble path. I think the path of Jesus, the way of Jesus is when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, we're, we're celebrating Easter this week and, and Good Friday, and the day before he's crucified, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane alone in tears, struggling, weeping, uh, the weight of what's about to happen. I mean, imagine knowing that tomorrow you are going to die and not just die, but die in an incredibly painful and brutal way, naked, hung on a cross before people like the shame attached with that, the the public nature of it. It's all there. And Jesus is wrestling with that insomnia. Those of you who struggle with insomnia, imagine just being out in this garden in the middle of the night, the moon above your above your head, and you're wrestling with these thoughts of what is about to happen. And you see a very human Jesus crying out to the God the Father saying, please, please, if there is any other way, if there is a way other than this one, please take it away. Do you hear the wish? Do you hear the desires of his heart? Please, God, in this moment, take this, God the Father, away from me. Take this cup from me. So you see the wish there. You see the desire of his heart in that moment. In that moment of humanity, Jesus' humanity is speaking out. He's saying, I don't want to do this. Who would want to do this, right? Like when you're facing the cross, you don't want to do it. But here's the key. He didn't stop there. Just like David in the Psalms, Jesus didn't stop with the wish or the desire of his heart. What did he say? The, the, the famous words, he says, Yet not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, not my wish, not my desire, but yours be done. And that's the humility that I think is so lacking in American Christianity, Western Christianity, this idea of prosperity gospel, this idea of just name it and claim it or just desire it and God will give you the parking spot. God will give you the diamond ring. God will give you the relationship. God will, you know, I'm not suggesting that that is never a part of God's working, that he doesn't delight in giving us things that we want. Don't don't pull this to the extreme. I'm just saying it's not this mechanical wish uh, vending machine that so often we do with God. You know, if we just take delight, then he'll give us the desires of our heart. No, 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 friends. Jesus came to God the Father and said, not my will, but yours be done. And I think that's always got to be the filter. We have desires. I want to buy a house. I want to have a dog. I'd love to have a family. All those things are desires of my heart, but I present them to the Lord and I say, yet not my will, 
yours be done. And humility, it's in humility that I accept that sometimes God may not give me that wish because he knows better than I do. Maybe Kurt as a homeowner or maybe Kurt as a dog owner uh, is going to be less free to interact with students in his job or be relatable to single people or I don't know. There's all sorts of ways that you could start to imagine why God may not grant that wish or that desire of my heart. So I don't know what's on your heart today. I'm sure as I've been sharing, there's things that have come to mind, things that you've prayed for, things that you've wanted for years maybe, and it hasn't come through. Things haven't uh, come about. I am not going to be the guy who's going to pray now and, you know, give you this false hope of just wait for it. God's going to do it. God loves you. He loves to give you that stuff. Friends, I'm going to tell you to have humility and to continue to lean into God and suggest that maybe the better prayer is for God to give you his desires, for God to impress upon you what's important to him and how sometimes the desires of our heart Remember, Scripture also says that our heart is wicked. Our heart is deceitful. Our heart is going to uh, run away from the things of God. It is, it is in its sinful nature. It wants what is contrary to God's kingdom and good things for us. And so it's in humility that we turn that over and we say, God, take this desire, measure it out, look at it, tell me if it's from you, if it's a good thing, and if it's not, we let it go. We don't fight for it. We don't spiritualize it. We don't turn it into some bastardized theology that we're just waiting on God to deliver us the wish we grant, you know, the wish we desire. And so I hope that encourages you. I hope that maybe corrects some theology for some of you that maybe you've been really frustrated with God because he hasn't come through on his end of the deal as you've been taught scripture that maybe, um, Maybe that verse and other verses have been used a little bit out of context and have forced you into a theology that just frankly doesn't work. And that's a wrap for episode 31. Thanks for tuning in today. If you liked what you heard, be sure and hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. As always, we hope you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Cultured Christian Podcast. Please join the conversation over on our Reddit, Also, like and interact with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideas, email us at culturedchristians at gmail.com. And we look forward to seeing you in the next one.